You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers finally outlast the Wisconsin Badgers in double overtime 75-73 to to snap a five-game losing streak. And as we were just talking about before we went live, what an absurd season that, you know, the second half of the year, Indiana can't beat anybody except at Michigan State and against Wisconsin. This is like the most bizarro Indiana basketball season of all time. But on this night, the Hoosiers get a win, finally showing, you know, just a lot of mental toughness down the stretch with guys fouling out and, uh, you know, you know, bounces not going Indiana's way, not able to, you know, to make plays. And Wisconsin's able to get back into it. They make free throws. But ultimately... The final play that needed to be made was made. Indiana did it, and they won. And we're here to talk about it on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And we will start it the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And it came, of course, with 9.6 seconds to go, 73-73 in double overtime. Romeo Lankford gets the ball, goes the length of the court, drives, drives right, and scores this is what everyone has wanted to see from Romeo all season long in these late-game situations. And granted, the Wisconsin defense was not great. I mean, Khalil Iverson just let him go right. And I have a feeling if there was an opening like that, you know, late in the Michigan State game and late in the Iowa game, he probably would have done the same thing. But he did it here. He scored. Puts Indiana up 75-73. to 73, And it really capped what was just a tremendous two overtimes from Romeo. He scored 13 points in the overtime periods, finished with 22, and on a night when so many guys fouled out, Juwan Morgan fouls out, Justin Smith fouls out, Al Durham fouls out, Romeo Langford played 45 minutes, seven rebounds to go along with the 22 points, and just made a lot of big buckets. And we'll talk, you know, there were some possessions where he stood in the corner too long and didn't get involved, and, you know, there was a, a lot of questionable late-game execution. But on this night, the biggest play that needed to be made, Romeo made it, put the Hoosiers on his back on that play, and delivered the 75-73 victory for the Hoosiers, snapping the losing streak. And finally, we have another victorious uh, episode here of the Assembly Call and a win that we can talk about, which we will uh, continue doing here as we move forward on the show. All right, tonight's Hoosier Proud Banner Moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. And at hoosierproud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like the Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Homefield apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with the Big Ten and NCAA tournament looming, be sure to check out Homefield's Indiana All the Way t-shirt featuring an IU basketball design made popular during the school's championship run, something that you can 
reflect on nostalgically as Indiana probably won't be in the NCAA tournament. But, hey, you win this game, maybe it can start a big run for the Hoosiers. It's uh, late, and it was a double overtime game. So we will uh, we'll dare to dream here, at least for a moment. Uh, and then, of course, you can check out the uh, vintage bison hoodie on the tri-blend material, which we all love, uh, especially with the low temps in Bloomington, which we're going to get to experience this weekend as we will be in Bloomington. Just a reminder that if you're going to be at the Michigan State game, to let us know because we'd love to say hi. Uh, but I have a feeling we'll all be packing our bison hoodies for that trip. Can a brother get some coupons? Yes. Don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your order on either site. That is promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. All right. Well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And let's start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this thrilling, exhausting Indiana victory. Well, for those in the Eastern time zone with me, welcome to Wednesday. Um, but uh, I, I mean, what a what a crazy game. We saw a game in which Ethan Happ fouled out. Uh, we saw IU beat Wisconsin in a season that they've lost, as you said, to everybody but them and uh, and at Michigan State since uh, since the turn of the new year. And um, yeah, so it's just uh, just the way you draw it up. Never, never a doubt. Right. Um, but ultimately, it just feels great for these kids to be able to get a win. I, you know, you, you kind of wonder, you, you let your mind go in places when they blow that 13 point lead and you get that here we go again feeling. And you start to wonder how many times these guys can pick themselves up over the last couple of weeks, you know, to come back from that Minnesota game, give great effort against Purdue, lose a, you know, lose a two point game to go play so well at Iowa, lose, lose that one as well. Uh, on some crazy shots and and you know you kind of felt like they were starting to turn the corner they let Wisconsin back in it which feels like a lifetime ago and uh and then to see them be able to bounce back and somehow without Juwan uh you know Justin Smith fouls out you're you know you're playing the front line of a guy that was throwing up before the game and a guy who'd played 20 some minutes over the course of the entire season in the front court for basically the entirety of overtime against uh against Happ and, and Wisconsin and uh, just just has to feel great for those guys to be able to to get a win like this and be rewarded for something that they earned based on how hard they've played these last few weeks. And uh, who knows, you know, if this season has taught us anything, it's that any singular game means absolutely nothing uh, in terms of what will happen in the next game. But um, just just happy for these kids to be able to to get rewarded and and earn a win. Uh, against the team that I use had a ton of trouble with, but quite frankly, against anybody uh, at this point feels pretty good. So a, a lot to a lot to talk about to the extent that we can actually remember how we got here, but uh, but but exciting for them and uh, just a just a great win for them. Finally, get a win at home, and um, you know we're sitting down right now at the press conference of three freshmen in, in Romeo Race and Rob Finnessy. Those guys were all uh, all pretty big tonight. So lots to talk about. Absolutely. All right, Ryan, this is your last chance to rant about Ethan Happ. But my sense is you're going to have something else that you want to talk about on this. No, on this I mean, Happ was evening. Ethan Happ. He was flailing around, getting calls and whatever, NIS. But you know what? Indiana never has to see him again unless they face him. Like, oh, I just jinxed. You jinxed it. Dang it. Uh, Actually, no, no the... you know what? If we if we get so lucky as to make it that far in the Big Ten tournament, fine. We'll take that. Here's what here's here's the only thing I want to say about tonight is Romeo Langford 45 minutes, Al Durham 46 minutes, Rob Finnessy 43 minutes, uh, Race Thompson who had played 22 minutes all season played 21 minutes. Uh, those guys all stepped up and, and they all played uh, out of their minds and played great basketball, especially on the defensive end in you know, 50 minutes to hold Wisconsin to 73 points, uh, to hold Hap to you know he had 23. Uh, 
but he had he nine of 18 from the field uh five of ten from the free throw line i mean they, they made him work for everything iverson really got going in the first half but really didn't seem to have much of an impact in the second half they really made wisconsin work for everything they defended the three-point line wisconsin's the best three-point shooting team in the big 10 shot six of 22 and that's because they were all contested um yeah i know at the end trice dribbles to the center of the floor and turns and shoots and there's really nothing you can do about that you if, you, if you're any closer to him you'll foul him which they did later. Um, but I, I, you know, it's just that they played their guts out and they deserve to win. They deserve to win in, in regulation. They deserve to win the first overtime. And then they finally put it together and pulled it off uh, because of Romeo in, in the last overtime. But those guys were exhausted. You could see it on the floor. Deron Davis, I mean, he played 22 minutes, but he wasn't in shape to go a full game. He, he was puking sick. two hours yeah. ago, three I mean, hours he ago. Sick. I mean, he really did. And you could see, when he get the ball a couple times, he missed layups because he couldn't get off the floor. I mean, he was exhausted. He was worn down clearly. Um, but those guys all gutted it out. And, and and kudos to them. They deserve to win this game. They earned it. And th- there have been some losses they've had, I think, where they deserve to win it. They battled through some really poor officiating. I thought there were calls that that went that didn't go against Indiana that that you know on Wisconsin side. That were some that were, there were some missed calls. But I thought they got the lion's share of the calls all night long. Indiana fought through it fought through uh their far, starting front court being out with foul you know fouling out fought through Al Durham their best defender fouled uh, on the perimeter fouling out um and and still just continue to battle and continue to battle and continue to battle and you know 24 personal fouls against 17 for Wisconsin and still they wound up coming out on top that that is not a recipe for beating Wisconsin and they did a great great job to stick with it and fight through it yeah, no, you know, the recipe for Wisconsin, as we talked about in the preview, you know, in the games that they've lost or that have been close, you got to battle them to at least a draw from the three point line. And then you got to beat them at the free throw line. And Indiana did that. You know, Indiana made six threes in the first half. And I'm really impressed that Indiana did not fall in love with the three in the second half after going six of 14 in the first half. You know, they didn't get a lot of good looks in the second half and they didn't force it. You know, they took six in the second half in overtime. They missed them all. But they did such a good job of attacking the basket. And Indiana, you know, ends up taking 27 free throws uh, to Wisconsin's 27. And the Hoosiers make 17 and Wisconsin makes 13. You know, I know, you know, we'll get to stats a little bit later. But, you know, Indiana goes 12 of 23 on layups. Wisconsin goes 11 of 23 on layups. You know, so a lot has gone against Indiana during this losing streak. And I do think that there were some moments tonight when, you know, Wisconsin would have a good look late and they would miss a couple of those layups or Trice miss a couple of free throws. You know, the one Brad Davis in three actually rattled out instead of rattling in. So some of those I things, sure that was going down. I did too. Everybody did, you know, and so it's nice, you know, where those things are kind of even because Indiana had their own there. And then Indiana is the team that's able to make the play late. But, you know, we'll get into talking more about, you know, Romeo Langford. We'll talk about Juwan Morgan, who, you know, had a really interesting night before he fouled out. But let's spend a few minutes on Race Thompson, because I thought the game really turned in the first half when Race got in there. There was a little stretch where it was 12 to 12, and Fitzner and Deron Davis come in. Wisconsin immediately has a five-point possession. <laughs> they get taken out. And Race Thompson, I thought, really did a good job defensively of containing Ethan Happ and kind of slowing down what Wisconsin had going down in the post. And, you know, didn't play a ton early in the second half, but then played huge in the overtimes because Juwan Morgan was out and really had one of the more impactful one-point games that you'll ever see from a freshman. Just made smart plays, like the little tap pass that he had whenever that was, when Rob Finnessy got it to Deron Davis. I guess that was, yeah, that was what made it 73-70, and then Deron missed the free throw. 
But he really showed tonight, Andy. We know Ryan will come in and, and remind us of his thoughts on Race Thompson, but he really showed us tonight what we've been missing, which is a guy who can come in off the bench and either replace Juwan or play with Juwan to be able to defend guys down low. And it's not just his ability to bang. He's pretty quick, and he plays so hard defensively. And that's what really stood out. And so I think even though it doesn't necessarily pop on the stat sheet, I thought he was so important to Indiana being able to get this win tonight. Well, I'm old enough to remember when Ryan discovered Race Thompson, so that's obviously important to remember. But uh, I, I no, I agree. I, I did really think. I mean, that was one of the first notes that I really took in the first half was that he had come in and played so well because to that point, IU had gotten nothing off the bench. They got off to a decent start. Devontae came in, didn't play very well. Fitzner had that rough couple minutes and never came back in. Duran looked like a guy who had just thrown up not very long before that and and really struggled. Um, and so he really had to, had to step in, but I thought he did a good job of, you know, giving Hap enough space. And then when he really got into him, he just walled up and really kept himself from, from committing fouls against Hap and Reavers and really anybody inside. I thought he just did a good job of using his body as best he could, making it hard to, you know, shoot over him, but he wasn't swatting down at anybody. He wasn't really gambling. Uh, and he had some really, really nice closeouts. So it was one in particular, they kicked it out to Reavers at the top of the key and it was just like a textbook close out chappy feet high hands just did everything that you want him to do and i think you know we will never know what he looked like playing defense when he came in but this is where you can start to see a guy who's been in the system albeit in practice last year able to really step in and and do the things that that the coaching staff needed so he had some big rebounds i thought did a good job for the most part positioning wise uh and really i thought he gave a good mix of what you need to defend a guy like Hap, where he was strong enough, but also, you know, was able to move his feet enough. And that's something, if you think back even to the Hoosier hysteria scrimmage, that was one of the things that stood out was he guarded, I think it was Jerome Hunter or maybe Justin Smith. I forget who it was, but really showed good quickness and kind of cutting off a drive in that game. Uh, and I think you saw that tonight and against a guy like Hap with the variety of moves that he has, but he kept up with him once he, you know, had gotten back down to a certain point, just stood there with his arms up and tried to do his best to, to contest shots. So, uh, a really impressive performance from him. Certainly a guy who's feels like he's earned some some additional minutes uh, after basically doubling his his minute output for the season in this game. Right. Yeah, I, I think uh, you're seeing what Indiana's been missing in, in Ray Thompson. I mean, the, the kid could have made a huge impact this year, and it's unfortunate that he didn't get to uh, to this point. Uh, now he's starting to. And you're really seeing it, and and this is the kind of stuff we saw on high school film when you when you watched it. Uh, you definitely saw a more well-rounded offensive player. But again, when you miss like two months because of a concussion, you're not shooting a basketball, you're not dribbling a basketball, you're basically starting from the ground up again offensively, and that's going to take time. And that's probably not going to be right until next season, until he has a full summer to work out. That's just the way basketball is. It's a rhythm sport, and you've got to be into it. Um, but I, I really think. When you look at Ray Thompson, there's several things that he does that are incredibly important. One, he's got a great basketball IQ. Yes, he's he does. Smart. He has great instincts. He knows not to overplay a guy shooting a three. He knows to force a guy, you know, get the hand in his face, but don't overplay it so he can drive right by you. And, and that happened to him late in, in I think, one of the overtimes. He ran up and he just immediately grabbed the guy, make him go beat you at the free throw line. Don't let him drive right by you. Uh, that was the only time he screwed up defensively all game, really. And, and and again, freshman. These are his like first forty college minutes. Our three smartest players are freshmen, by the way. Yeah, I, I completely <laughs> agree. And um, and, and he's just 
Uh, well, I'd throw Al Durham into that mix, I think. I, I think Al Durham's he's a sophomore. I would put him as one of our smartest players. But uh, but no, just the basketball instincts that Race Thompson has are fantastic. And, and when you look at how he fits into next year, I think he just steps right into Jawan Morgan's role. Now, of course, you got to fit Trace Jackson Davis in there, and there's some other things that have to go, but he's the guy who can do the inside-outside stuff that Jawan Morgan does, and he can be the aggressive rebounder. He can be the guy that just takes a pounding defensively and looks fine. I mean, he, at one point on the broadcast, they said he didn't back down when they tried to back him down. He took the impact and stayed right there and kept his feet planted. And he made life difficult for Ethan Happ. He he outplayed Ethan Happ, uh, you know, offense versus defense there. He outplayed him. Now, again, you got to get him working on the offensive end. But even on the offensive end, you're, you, you see the basketball instincts when he caught that pass, when they were running up the floor and he just gave it up immediately. He knew, look, I haven't shot free throws in a long time. One of two tonight. I don't want to go to that line again. Give it up to the guy who can shoot free throws in Rob Fennessy. Um, just a smart player, an instinctive player, and a guy that we desperately have missed this year. And every time he steps on the floor, IU fans should be excited about the future. Here's something fun to imagine. Next year, with that defense from Race Thompson, defending Trace Jackson Davis every day in practice. How good are those guys going to get? Mm-hmm. Just going up against each other every day in practice. I'd buy a ticket to that. And Deron um, Davis, too. You know? Well, Deron Davis, too. Yeah. I mean, obviously. But you look at the two younger guys going at each other, you know, yeah. sort of, to, to make each other better. And um, I just think it's going to be great for both of them starting this summer to get to do that. And, and you look at Ray Thompson. When Ray Thompson came in, we said, when he was going to redshirt, we said, this is a guy we talked about. He could be a star in the Big Ten. He legitimately could be. And we haven't gotten to see him. Now we're getting to see him. And you're starting to see what we saw when we watched his high school film. Absolutely. Opponents, Big Ten opponents are not going to want to deal with race and trace for the next two, three years. That is for sure. All right. uh, Coming up, we're going to continue our breakdown of Indiana's two-point victory over Wisconsin in double overtime. I'll point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. There's a lot of them. And then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show, a late Assembly Call IU postgame show, but man, an exhausted one, but a celebratory one as the Hoosiers beat Wisconsin to end the five-game losing streak. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we're breaking down every angle of this victory over Wisconsin. And guys, it's time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And look, there's a lot of them. I mean, in a double overtime game, there are so many moments that decide the game. Like, Remember the big shot Rob Finnessy hit was at the end of regulation? You know, it's a, oh. yeah, I mean, there, there's so many moments. But to me, the one that really was the biggest in even allowing this game to come down the stretch, and I'm going to be really interested to get your guys' thoughts on this. You know, Indiana came out at the start of the second half. After really playing well in the first half, having a four-point lead at halftime, the Hoosiers were dynamite to start the second half. I mean, the defense was on point. Our energy was great. We weren't settling for threes. We were going inside. Everything was working. And we're up, I believe it was 47 to 34. We were definitely up by 12, 13 points, something like that. And we came down, I believe it was right before the under 12-minute timeout. And Juwan had three fouls, so I understand why he went to the bench. I think there was even a point where Rob Finnessy, you know, it looked like he was kind of holding his calf, and I think they were working on his calf. But Archie also took Romeo out of the game, presumably to get him some rest before the under-12-minute timeout. 
But with those three guys off the court who had been so important in the game so far, I mean, you know, Indiana's three best players overall, Wisconsin immediately went on a spurt. They scored eight straight. They scored eight points on on three possessions. It was an eight two run because Al had hit a mid range shot. But it really seemed like Indiana got out of their rhythm and could never get it back. And I think Wisconsin ends up going on a twenty to three run. You know, and Andy, as I look at that, to me, you know, when you're desperate to win a game, and again, I get why Juwan was out, and if they needed to, you know, look at Rob medically, fine. I don't understand how you take Romeo out there, too, even if you want to get him some rest. Save it till the under-eight-minute timeout. I just really thought, given the timing, given the context, that was a really poor decision by Archie, and it seemed to get the team totally out of rhythm that they almost never really got back. It's like they were just hanging on for the rest of regulation. Um, and you know, you could say, look, you can't blame one decision on what happened five minutes later, but it really, to me, seemed to kind of have a cascading uh, impact. And when you have a chance to put your foot on their throat, which is what it felt like Indiana had, I just was not a fan of the lineups that were played in the middle part of the second half at all. Yeah, that was, I mean, had IU lost this game, I think we'd come in here and, and really look back on that stretch as the turning point. So it, it's fair to bring it up now. And yeah, it just felt like, it felt like you really just pushed the envelope too much saying and, and relaxed a little bit as a coach. And I think that made the players relax on the floor of, Hey, we got this. We're going to coast for a few minutes while we, you know, ride this out and get these guys some rest. And I think Juwan for sure makes sense. You got to take him out. He had had the fouls. What didn't have four at that point, but I can get giving him a rest, but you, you have to try to stagger that at some point, especially with, with Rob out there, who's another guy that can create a little bit. But at that point, at least, you know, leave leave Romeo on the floor and do something. Because the other thing that happened in that stretch was the defense wasn't quite as good. Wisconsin hit a few threes. And, you know, they're one of 12 from three. And all of a sudden, they hit four of their next five over that over that 20 to three run. And so it really gets it really gets difficult at that point to try to turn things around. And that was where, you know, as, as I said, it it was really felt like the danger zone for IU whether they could could turn things around and pick themselves back up and to their credit uh, they did and that started with Finnessy getting to the line and making a couple free throws and that started a stretch where IU scored on you know five out of six possessions there um, after the, the end of that run to really get back in the game so that you know that was the other thing is you know Rob being a guy and and using the free throw line even though they didn't shoot him well to pull themselves out of it a, a bit and. Um, and, and get back in the game. But yeah, I thought that stretch was just uh, kind of getting too cute, I guess, if you if you want to think of it that way, where I, I just don't know that you can afford to do that. Um, and, and as you said, you want to be, you know, kind of putting, you, you got to balance trying to run them off the court with, you know, trying not to burn everybody out. But uh, that seemed a place where it, the pendulum swung too far in, in one direction, for sure. Yeah, and, you know, credit to the coaching staff, I think, for getting Juwan back out there with with four fouls with about six and a half minutes to go. Juwan ends up, you know, picking up a fifth foul that was just not a good play by him, bid on a pump fake, we've seen. I thought Bruiser Flint's decision to demand that review was terrific. So, I mean, you know, the coach... on you, Bruiser. Yeah, you know, the, the, the coaches did which some was, good things, way, but... Which was obvious. There's no way that should I know. to be reviewed, but... I know. But, I know. They review the most innocuous things that that need, require no review whatsoever. I mean, they reviewed these other ones to put 0.1 seconds back on the clock. Yet that play in a critical juncture of the game that what wasn't clear cut of what actually happened, there was going to be no review until they complained. So good on them for complaining, but my goodness. It, and it took him the entire any... time out to, to get him to convince him to do it, too. Like, it's just. Yeah. 
like, can we please just blow up the officiating in this conference and and start over from scratch? Because it's just every game. It is so bad. It's bad. And, you know, bad and, you know, both sides a lot of times, but not consistent. You know, it's maybe just, we can get Fran McCaffrey to come in and give his thoughts on big time officiating. Anybody? The story of Fran's meltdown from today is the greatest. Anybody thing got I, I, I wrote it. Number? I wrote it on the big lead. If you guys want to go catch up on what we're talking about, go click over the big lead. On some level, he said what we've all thought from time to time. So in that regard, yeah, I'll give no, him I'm, I'm kind of with but Fran. As a, <laughs> but as a coach, not sure you can. I'm not sure how that's going to go over. Anyway, go ahead. So Sorry. the, the Fran's other thing, the most level-headed guy in the room right now. The other, the other, the other thing I want to talk about is, look, you know, that last possession by Romeo was great, and I thought he had some possessions where he was really aggressive. I was really pleased to see him use his mid-range game more. Ben Ladner and I actually talked about that on Basketball 201 earlier today, and you know, and he did that more. But there are still these possessions, Ryan. Where and there were two in a row when it was sixty to sixty in regulation, where he literally stands in the corner the entire possession, and maybe he'll like take a step or two up to the wing, but he will just stand there. I can't imagine that's how they draw it up. Maybe it is, but I mean, you know, he's just standing there. He's not cutting. He's not active. And there are other possessions where, you know, sometimes you know he'll get the ball in a handoff, or, or you know he'll get it off of a ball screen. And I think you made mention of this on Twitter. He'll be too quick to give it up sometimes. So, you know, I, I yeah. thought we saw more times from him tonight where he was determined, I'm going to drive to the basket, I'm going to get there, and it was big. But again, you look back at how regulation ended, it did not need to go to overtime. We just, we threw away some of these possessions late where we don't get him the ball in a position to score. And I still have a hard time on some of those possessions. Look, I think ultimately it goes to the coaching because if you're not getting your best player in a position or demanding that he do it, then it's your responsibility. But I do think there are some some moments where Romeo can be more assertive too. And we saw it some in overtime, which to me was part of why this win is so rewarding. Yeah, and 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 look, I think if you're Romeo, you've got to watch tape of that final possession and just understand that you can do that every single time. There is nobody in this conference who's going to guard you consistently straight up one-on-one. It's just not going to happen. Now, if you're going against a zone like Iowa and you know, you just you're driving into crowds all the time and stuff like that. Yeah, I get it. You got to give the ball up. But there were times in uh, late in regulation and overtime where he would get the ball off a dribble handoff and just immediately hand it off to somebody. That's not drawn up in the playbook. He has the option to do that, but he also has the option to turn the corner or take the screen and drive and or, you know, do his step back or something like that. I get it late in the game. You don't want to do the step back because you don't have the legs you did in the first half. But that's not how the play is drawn up. You have the option, and he was taking the easy option option of handing the ball off. And and that's you know, when you're the when you're as talented as he is, you want to be a lottery pick, you're in the mix to be a top 10, top seven pick. You can't do that. I mean, you're the best player on the floor. Go prove it. And and he did on that last drive, and it was great to see him sort of come through and and uh you know provide the victory and and you saw him do it some other times there's a play on uh i i forget it was it reavers where he was inside and he ball faked him he jumped up kind of got bodied by reavers and and banked it in yeah uh, that that was a great play and and you want to see a great player make great individual plays but one-on-one there is nobody who can guard him there's few people in the nation who can guard him um and so and certainly not you know on wisconsin who can guard him straight up. I want to see him attacking all the time. And, and I've said that all year that I want to see him attacking earlier in games. He attacked a little bit earlier tonight. 
but then there were stretches where he just kind of flowed with the game. And I think it's part part of it is his personality. He wants to fit in. He's not a guy who demands the ball. He's not a ball hog. He's a guy who plays within a system. He, you know, doesn't want to be like the only guy doing anything. He's always been that way. It's way he was in high school. He scored a lot, but he played through the team system. And when he get the ball, he'd attack from that. He wants to be a guy who fits in. He wants to be part of the team. That's great. And, and that's a great attitude to have. But quite frankly, in moments where you need to take over, and I've said this about he and Juwan Morgan, they need to demand the ball and 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 go and dominate. And, and I think that, you know, you're starting to see that Deron Davis needs to demand the ball a little bit more too. Um, I think he does. I think they just have to get him the ball. I think that that's part of it. Um, but but those three guys need to, in crunch time, need need the ball in their hands and they need to get a touch. And they need to not only give it a touch, they need to be able to do something with it. And, and uh, you know, late in the, in, I think it was in regulation, Deron Davis got a touch and gave it up for a nice pass and created an open shot. And he's a guy who, you know, can do that from time to time for you. So I just think that the, all three of those guys really need uh, to be able to attack and, and be able to do things for you because they're the three guys you can rely on the most. And, and Romeo certainly showed that late, but he needs to show that more often. Yeah, the, the one thing with Romeo that I would say is is some of those plays that you talked about where he gave the ball up really early, what that doesn't do, it, it doesn't actually, you know, all that movement is designed to force the defense to react to something. And in an, in an ideal world, create space, even where he's drawing other guys to him and he can kick it back out to a shooter. But if you're giving it up a step inside the three-point line, that's not actually happening. And and there were definitely times, you know, anytime he turned a corner and had a switch with Brad Davison on him, like he has to drive him. Um, and, and that play that Ryan mentioned was a good one where even if you can't get all the way to the basket, you're doing something to make the defense react and um, that nice kind of step under and, and, and making the bank shot was good there. And and he even said as much after the game, it sounds like, in some of his comments about learning from those other late game situations and and trying to be more aggressive. He didn't really take jump shots at, at end game scenarios tonight. And even the one at the end of, I guess it was the first overtime where it looked like he got bumped uh, on the perimeter before you know review number 26 of the night um he you know he was he had he you could tell he was trying to put his head down and drive um just just couldn't quite turn the corner iverson was at times a, a decent matchup on him but he also had his way with him uh, at others in the first half so i think you just see a guy learning uh, a bit of, of how to use the talents that he has and uh and to go from there but certainly uh had the right approach on the on the game winner Andy, let's hit numbers here quickly. You know, look, you hold Wisconsin to 0.97 points per possession. That's that's really good. I mean, just another another game where Indiana's defense, you know, really drove the victory. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm so proud of this team and just so relieved that they got this win because they've played so hard defensively for 130 minutes now over the last three games, and they got rewarded for it with the victory. But you know, I mentioned this already, but I just I think it's so important. I'm going to mention it again. You look at what Indiana did. Look, we knew the three-point line and the free-throw line were going to be huge in this game because, you know, it's where so many Wisconsin games are dictated and, frankly, so many Indiana games. And Indiana goes 6-14 of 14 from three-point range in the first half, one of their best shooting halves of the year, only one of two from the free-throw line. Okay, you'll take it because, you know, you hit six threes. You know, <laughs> we'll take that without any arguments. Like, no matter what, what else comes with it. But I talked about on the halftime report how I was nervous that, you know, a bad shooting team hits six threes in the first half. Are they going to fall in love with the three-pointer? Because it's happened to Indiana. And when Justin Smith jacked a three early in the second half, I'm thinking, oh, no, this is, this is not going to go good. But you look what Indiana did in the second half. 0 of 3 from three-point range, 13 of 18 from the free-throw line. So, and 
I don't, I don't think they were just like passing up a bunch of open threes. They just weren't getting them, but they did what they wanted to do, which is attack the basket, and that's why they got fouled. So I was just, you know, I know a lot of the execution wasn't good, but I thought they came out with the right mindset in the second half to do the things that they wanted to do offensively. And this is one of the first games we've seen where Indiana hasn't been content to just do what the defense wants them to do. They've actually attacked and asserted their will on the game a little bit more tonight. I think that's a big reason why they were able to win. What number stood out to you, Andy? Well, just to just to underscore your point, when they got off to that good start in the first in the the first part of the second half, I mean, they scored on six of their first eight possessions, all of them either getting to the free throw line or dunks drives to the basket. Smith had a tip in. I mean, it was all it, everything was around the basket or getting fouled, getting to the free throw line, and even after that, the next you know the next couple of points were at the at the foul line as well. So I thought those things were important. Um, you, you certainly. For, for those who have watched this team all season uh, were, I think everyone was uh, reasonably skeptical that the three point shooting would keep up and, and they certainly didn't fall in love with it uh, at all. Just took those three in the second half, as you mentioned, uh, turnover wise, there was a flurry of them in the first half that was really four out of six possessions. At one point they turned the ball over, but if I'm looking at this right, they had four in the second half and just one over the course of the two overtime. So the basketball wasn't pretty and the shots weren't always good. Um, but they did take better care of the basketball and at least were able to get shots and get opportunities to, uh, you know, to be able to score. thought those were important um, transition points. I thought they, uh, you know, ended up with only 10 fast break points, but I do think there were a few of those opportunities that really got the crowd into it. Uh, those were, those were big. Second the alley-oop chance- to Justin Smith was beautiful. Yeah, that was pretty Second sweet. chance points were big early, but th- that kind of tailed off uh, a little bit. And then the assist number was was pretty low in the second half. I think they ended up with eleven assists for the game. A lot of it, you know, just trying to get the ball to. Yeah, know, they only wound up minus three out of the bench. Yeah, that I mean, was that, that was kind given of how the, given how the bench play started. That was uh, yeah, that oh, that God. seemed. But that then seemed again, Duran was off the bench, and Justin Smith was a starter. If you uh, because of the illness, you flip those, you might get more out of the bench. So yeah, uh, Justin Smith finished with twelve. So I yeah I mean like you said that I think the, the not a ton else sticks out of it a good job getting to the free throw line just not a great job of uh, of converting out rebounded Wisconsin um, but and like I said the turnovers tailing off in the second half I thought was a big a big key from a team standpoint Ryan any other numbers that you want to talk about before we uh, I I apologize I'd use the the rest facilities uh, so I missed what you guys talked about but I would say that if you looked at the score line and thought and said that Indiana was going to outshoot Wisconsin from three-point range percentage-wise and tie in the number made, and you were told me that they were going to outshoot Wisconsin from the free-throw line and out-rebound them, I'd have told you they won this game. I didn't. I wouldn't think it would have taken two overtimes, but I would have told yeah. you they would have won the game. Uh, difference in the game was, of course, that Indiana had some guys in foul trouble, uh, and I think that uh, they left they let Wisconsin get back into it in that stretch you were talking about where certain guys were on, weren't on the floor. Um, but, you know, I think that in some ways, given how mixed up the bench was in this game and with the foul trouble and then plus, you know, Deron Davis maybe not feeling great and them having to play some guys that maybe they didn't want to in certain situations. I mean, I, I mean, how many, you know, how much did Devonte Green play in the second half? I mean, I barely saw him. Almost none. He jacked that bad step back three and then he didn't play again until Al Durham right. fouled and, out. And so you have a thin bench guard wise, you know, because of that. And, and so um, you did see Zach McRoberts get in a little bit, um, you know, probably in lieu of him, but, you know, you just, it was just kind of in flux. And again, I, I think that just where we're at with this team, you know, not getting what they were supposed to get from certain guys this year, 
that really the bench is going to be and, and the way the bench is used and the way the substitutions are used are going to be feel weird until next year when you have a more balanced roster. Um, this team just doesn't have it right now. Uh, so they're kind of just fighting through. And, and you know, the coaching staff, I agree, they, they need to be better with the way they use their substitutions and everything. But quite frankly, I, I don't envy the position they're in right now. Andy's going to have to go back to lineup analysis. We thought we were done with the substitution. We're not going to do that. Talk. We don't want to take years don't, off Andy's lineup. Don't, don't pull me back into that. <laughs> don't you pull me back into that. You can't do that to me. Won't do it. Uh, yeah, the other thing I'd say is just in general about the defense on Hap, I, you know, he, there were, seemed like stretches where he really scored uh, in bunches as, as we've become accustomed to him playing him. But they really, I mean, he had 23 points. He took 18 field goal attempts and 10 free throws to get 23 points. So he's a guy who's going to score particularly on a team like IU that doesn't have a, a great matchup for him. But I did think they made his life difficult, forced him to make some passes out to guys. And there were times that those guys were able to, to take advantage and knock down shots. But um, I, I did think overall, those are pretty good numbers. If you're, you know, doesn't on the surface, doesn't feel great to say, Hey, you gave up 23 points to a guy, but you also gave him up and he played 45 minutes in two overtimes to get in and, and took, 28 combined field goal attempts and free throws to get 23 points. So uh, I thought it a decent job by the, the, the slew of guys that they had try to guard him, including Duran late in the game, which was, there was really not a great alternative at that point, because I don't think you could have him guard somebody else on the floor, but they really tried to put him in, uh, in ball screens. And, and I thought the rotations and guys being in good position to, to make steals. It was one that, that Duran and, and Rob played really well together and ended up getting a steal just thought there were some of those scenarios where from a team defense standpoint, they really covered for one another in situations where they needed to uh, find ways to get stops against Hap. Yep. All right. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Wisconsin. Another number that jumps out, Juwan Morgan was plus 20 tonight. Yet he had four turnovers, missed nine shots. It was an interesting game for Juwan. We'll talk about that. And then another stellar performance from Rob Finnessy as well. That's coming up on the assembly call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, no matter how many overtimes there are, no matter how late it ends, we will be here for you as we are tonight, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU Hoops fans are subscribed. It'll make you a smarter and more well informed IU basketball fan. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's 75-73 to victory over Wisconsin. The Hoosiers win in overtime again. I guess the next step now is to just win a game in regulation, uh, win a second in a row, you know, we, baby steps, I suppose, as we uh, come out of this losing skid. Uh, two guys, though, that I want to talk about here to begin this segment, Juwan Morgan and Rob Finnessy. Let's start with Juwan, Ryan, and... You know, look, you look at the numbers. I mean, he had a, a great rebounding night, 15 rebounds, five of them offensive, you know, 10 defensive rebounds. He had three assists. I thought when it was there was a really important play he made in the first half when it was 17 to 12 after that little five point possession that Wisconsin had had. And, you know, we had kind of 
put the clamps on him defensively after that, but we weren't getting anything going offensively. And he got a defensive rebound and was just like, you know what? Screw this. I'm taking it, going the other way. It was really awkward, but he got fouled, made one free throw. It's the kind of play that you've been wanting to see from him, Ryan, where you say, like, when things are going bad, those guys have to step up. I thought he did that. That spurred a little run for Indiana, you know, that kind of got us back going after it felt like Wisconsin was kind of taking control of the game. But, you know, again, you know, and as I mentioned, you know, Indiana plus 20 with him on the court, while his defense one-on-one against Ethan Happ was just so-so, and there's only so much he can do because of the size advantage and not wanting and to foul. not wanting to get into foul trouble. Right. Yet. But I thought outside of defending Happ one-on-one, like in terms of rotations and activity and all those other things, I thought he really played a good game defensively, and I think that's why Indiana was better with him on the court. So... You know, he took too many threes. He wasn't able to get going offensively outside of that little stretch at the start of the second half. And obviously, we're all just glad that he was able to get back in the game after taking that elbow from Ethan Happ, which was not malicious or mean-spirited, but was absolutely flagrant. So, By you know, the letter th- of the law, that is a flagrant. Yeah. But, and it should have been called a loose ball foul at the time and then upgraded to a flagrant foul. I don't know how the official didn't yeah. call that when it happened, but... Whatever. So anyway, you know, uh, like I think Juwan Morgan did a lot of things that contributed to this victory, but also, you know, we saw some of the offensive struggles that we've seen from him where he just can't seem to get in a rhythm offensively anymore now for a while. Um, But, you know, and overall, he's just got to be better with his fouls because two or three of his fouls tonight, again, are just... You know, you got two freshmen, Romeo Langford and Rob Finnessy, that I thought played really good defense. Zero fouls between them in like 90 minutes. And Juwan just can't, I mean, he's playing a different type of defense, but he just can't help himself from those really bad fouls each game. So, you know, kind of a very Juwan Morgan game tonight, but even kind of to the next level with some of the rebounds and, and you know, some of the some of the impact that he had. What'd you Honestly, think of at one point, the way he was going, I thought he was going to get 20 rebounds. I, yeah. I just thought, because they were just all falling to him. And he was, I mean, he was he was making the, he he was doing the extra work to get them. But at some point, a couple of them just fell right to him perfectly, you know, off longer shots. Uh, and he he grabbed some offensive rebounds that were clutch too. Uh, yeah, offensively, Juwan just has not been in the flow lately. And you know what? I think offensively, when he's not in the flow, it leads him to trying to be too aggressive defensively to make something happen. And I don't think it's a conscious thing. I think it's subconscious. He thinks, oh, there's the ball. I can go grab it. And, and he gets fouls. And, and a couple of his fouls were silly. The fact that he had 15 rebounds, didn't break 10, double digits in points is shocking because that's not Juwan Morgan. Uh, he did make three or four of his free throws, which was a positive because he hasn't been shooting them well lately. He was 0 of 3 from 3. And, you know, I, I guess we're okay with him taking three-pointers, but he hasn't been making them lately. I'm getting less and less okay with it. Yeah, I mean, I am too. And, and um, but, you know, early in the season, you relied on him to make a couple of those a game. Um, three of 12 from the field to have nine points and take 12 shots, not great. Um, but, again, he was battling against guys in the post who were, big and athletic and in, in uh, not necessarily athletic in in half, but you know, Iverson was coming down and he's a super athletic guy helping out on him. Uh, Reavers was guarding him. Well, I mean, those are just cu- tough guys to go up against. Uh, they are. And so you don't expect him to dominate the game, but I certainly expected a better offensive performance. That's it. I thought defensively uh, his off ball defense was even when it wasn't, you know, he wasn't getting a block or anything like that. He was intimidating enough to make guys think about it. Um, he was showing on double teams on the perimeter and then recovering to Hap really well. I thought, of course, Hap beat him sometimes because that's what Hap does. Um, and there were some, you know, bad calls and a couple of his fouls were bad calls because that's what Hap does. Um, so I, I just think that, yeah, I thought it was a mixed bag performance, but his what his work on the on the glass 
and uh, defensively really made up for any shortcomings offensively. Obviously, you want to see him go better in 3 for 12, and you want to see him play more than 28 minutes uh, in an ideal world. But that just wasn't his night. And I also think that that being in the foul trouble kind of did get him out of a rhythm. I thought it was pretty obvious offensively he got out of rhythm um, when those foul calls came. But the fact this team was able to persevere the last, what, like four minutes of regulation or three minutes of regulation and overtime, both overtimes without him and get a win. Is both of our pretty, wins have come when he's left the game with injury. Pretty. I'm not well, saying that that's like, you know, it's just kind of a random note in this ridiculous, yeah. weird season. He also didn't, he didn't look good after he came back from the elbow to the face. He really didn't. I mean, no. but looked fine defensively, but offensively he looked lost and you saw him on the sideline with a big ice bag on the side of his head and he got hit in the jaw. So that's not a good sign. That means he probably had a headache of some kind. And that's why they took him to the locker room, probably checked him for a concussion. Um, so again, not a great sign, but uh, he definitely was uh, a little bit different after he came back from that. I, I mean, from my perspective, I, I thought there were times that he just, when he got positioned and really took his time in the post, I thought he was able to be effective. I think the the one charge he had where he really lowered his shoulder uh, and got got called for. I think that was his fourth at the time. It came out for possession where he got. That was a weak call in the Big Ten. I I don't know. I mean, he put he his head down. Lower his shoulder, but come no, on, his head down and lowered his shoulder because it was just so. It was just so obvious. We can't complain about all of them. Sometimes Reavers, actually, that, that Reavers, was a foul. Reavers the calls are like the exceptions. Was, but, Reavers fell know. like he was 112 pounds. Like I mean, come on. All right, but he still fell. Yeah. That, right. But everybody. But everybody everybody's doing that to draw charges. So it is what it is, but you can't put your, you can't put your head down after you've done that. But that came after a play where he'd gotten his shot blocked on the prior possession. And I just was another case, kind of like what you said on the defensive end to a certain extent, just trying to make up for something and, and do too much. And it was during that big Wisconsin run where I think he took it upon himself to say, Hey, we need to get a bucket. But I, I really thought at the beginning of the second half, there was a, a sequence where he was just grabbing every rebound and he was just relentless inside. And, um, I think he scored or got fouled around in that in that stretch, and just from an emotional standpoint, kind of gave everybody a lift. That got the crowd into the game. That that there was that yeah. that one sequence there where he was just really playing so hard on on both ends. And yeah, he's got to figure out how to how to not you know how to play barely over half of what ended up being a fifty minute basketball game. They just and, and I thought he did okay with that at times in the first half where he would kind of, didn't really let Hap go, but did a better job of just putting his arms up and saying, if he's going to score over me, he's going to score over me. I can't pick up these fouls, especially because he picked one up on a, on a charge pretty early and played most of the rest of the half without getting himself into any more trouble, but just got to try to figure out a way to, to do that. He picked up a few in the, in the second half after, you know, kind of dialing it back a little bit, I guess you could say uh, in the first, but overall I thought the emotional lift he gave and kind of his tenacity on the, on the glass gave a big lift, but has to find a way to be there for the end of the game. Ryan, earlier tonight you were daring Indiana fans to dream uh, about a future that includes Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis on the block. I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that as we you know we're all excited about this win, but we're still 14 and 14, and you know two two of our last 14. So by no means does this completely turn the season around. We got to see Indiana you know back it up with another strong performance on Saturday. But you know if we're dreaming about the future, how about for the next three years, or no, I guess the next two years after this one, backcourt defense led by Rob Finnessy and Al Durham, because those guys are turning in to just, I mean, lockdown defenders on the perimeter. We saw what they did to Carson Edwards. 
you know, we saw what they did to Iowa for most of the game. Obviously, Bohannon went off late, but for most of that game, the defense from our guards was really good tonight. You know, Wisconsin comes in, you know, with a couple of guards in, uh, you know, in Trice and Davison that they really count on and guys who are typically very efficient offensively. Trice ends up scoring 12 points, goes two of 10 from the field, obviously made those big three free throws late. Guess who fouled him? Not Al Durham or Rob Finnessy. Uh, and Brad Davison, three points, one of 11 from the field, got frustrated into got, got frustrated into forcing up some shots, just like Carson Edwards did you know, against Purdue. It was Davison's third worst offensive outing of his career. I mean, it doesn't get much worse than you know, three points and one for 11. But one for seven from it, three, too. Yeah. And, and the thing that impressed me tonight about Finnessy is, you know, he has been a, a really physical defender. And, you know, he's quick, he moves his feet well, but he's had trouble defending without fouling. Tonight, he didn't foul at all. You know, when he would kind of dive down on the post guys, he would slap down. He got three or four steals, but he wasn't fouling. He was keeping guys in front of him. Obviously, he's more athletic than than Davison, who he was matched up on a lot of the night, but he kept him in front of him. And, you know, Andy just really a really impressive individual performance from him. But then when you throw Al Durham into it, too, who had a little bit of trouble with Trice late, you know, kind of looked like Trice was pushing off on him a little bit, but Al also probably didn't move his feet enough. Uh, but those two guys just continue to really be stellar, kind of keying Indiana's defense out there on the perimeter. Yeah, Archie made a comment after the game. Rob Finnessy's playing as good of defense as you can possibly play as a freshman in this league. And I, I think Agreed. He's, he's getting back to the form that he saw before the concussion. And that's taken a while. Uh, for him to get there, as everybody knows, he's watched some of these games and, and had gotten excited about the trajectory that he was on at the time when he went out with the concussion. But you're starting to see flashes of the same guy that you, that you saw earlier in the season and the same guy that we talk so much about during those games about how much fun it's going to be to watch him over the course of his career. And so he's really, you know, he had some timely drives that made the bucket at the end of regulation off a of broken play uh, that was really good. But I thought did a good job of really balancing attacking the basket not making dumb decisions when he was in there. You know, there's when he dribbles through, back through the lane, you know, kind of whirls around. But that would have been an easy place to take a bad shot. There really wasn't a shot to be to be made there. And so you're seeing, again, some of that decision-making that uh, that he's had. But but it all starts for him on the defensive end, and that's such a big part of what they want to do defensively with being able to really put pressure on the ball at the point of attack and not get beat and need other guys to help and, and put everybody in rotation. And I thought he really fought over screens, would cut off drives that seemed like, the guy was just ready to turn the corner and he would get in front of him on the wing and they'd have to pull the ball back out and kick it, kick it around to the top of the key. So uh, I think that's something that Al's done really well too. And and I think at the end of the game was a little bit of the same thing, really tried to get into Trice cause he had, you know, made the, made the one three and it, it was, if you probably give him enough space, you may get the call on the push off, but if you're you know bodied up against him and you're almost initiating the contact, it becomes a little bit harder uh, to do that, so I've now defended the officials twice within a, a pretty short time span. How so dare you? We'll, we'll, we'll let you get we'll let you get your licks in here in the next. Probably segment. don't worry. I it's say, late. Probably, a sign, that, probably a sign that it's too late. I'm de- I'm delirious. Uh, I, one real quick comment about a guy in the starting lineup that we haven't mentioned, Ryan, and that's Justin Smith, who I thought was better offensively tonight. You know, he the three pointer was not a good shot, but he went off the dribble some tonight. But he was more under control. He only had one turnover. He actually had that nice little spin move where he kind of flipped the ball in. I don't really know if that was a good shot, but he got lucky and it went in. But you know, he had three offensive rebounds, ran in transition. I thought you know he was finally he was not a zero offensively. You know, twelve yeah. points on five of nine shooting. You know, got the rebounds. Obviously, you know the five fouls. You know, and 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 that hurt. I, the, the last one he slapped the ball. He got all ball. They called yeah. it because Hap had the ball. Yeah. Yeah, but 
you know, for a guy whose playing time has been up and down and didn't play much against Iowa, I was impressed with how he responded. Being in the starting lineup, I thought this is one of the better games we've seen him play during the losing streak, and it was just, I think it was a good step forward for him tonight. Agreed. I thought that he had a, the first possession of the second half. He tried to drive and wound up just missing everything, uh, like the backboard, and I think it just went out of bounds. I don't even really know what happened there, but yeah. uh, other than that, I thought that he was pretty much in control, and I think that when he wants to dribble, if instead of facing guys up and if he just sort of backs them down a little bit and then uses his athleticism to get over and around people, he's fine. But when he tries to drive at guys, he's he's so easy to steal the ball from and, and poke it out and uh, or just get flustered. And then, yeah, he should never shoot a three pointer again this season. I mean, it's just he's so far off. Like, I don't care if there's 15 feet between you and your defender. There's probably a reason. And it's, you know. I just, uh, yeah, I, I just think he needs to be smarter than that at this point. I know he wants to be a well-rounded guy and uh, had a lot of, you know, people talking early in the season about how, oh, he's going to be a draft pick and all this, and he wants to show multiple skills. Dude, stay within yourself right now. You really need to because you're on thin ice as far as playing time goes with a guy like Race Thompson showing up and playing the way he has. You need to start accentuating the positives that you can bring to a game and that's be you know shooting and uh that's shooting in close that's playing defense that's rebounding and then that's also you know going after and being a garbage man on the glass offensively that's what he needs to be doing and running in transition as well uh, as you said uh you run in transition and if you're a bigger guy good things happen uh, we said that from the beginning. Cody Zeller stole six to eight points every single game just by running in transition. Yep. If you're a bigger guy, if you're a guy who's above six eight, run in transition. If, if, I really hope that no high school kids are up this late listening to this. But if you are, if you listen on the podcast, if you're a guy who's above six six and you play in high school, run the floor. You will score an extra six points a game. You want to get those averages up? That's how you do it. And, and seeing Smith finally sprint down the floor for once, uh, and, and look what happened. Fennessey found him for an easy easy land. Uh, he's a guy who jogs a lot, and and tonight he was sprinting. And and so, yeah, it is an evolution. It is, there was some better there. Uh, I don't know if there was a lot of great, but there was some better. And he just needs to be a smarter player for this team to succeed. Uh, last thing that I want to mention before we get out of the segment, we have to talk about it. It was at the end of the first overtime when at 68-68, Indiana has the ball on the sideline and we run the play where Romeo just runs away from the play and is not involved and Al Durham gets it and just shoots it when he had two seconds and should have dribbled. That was not good execution on a play where you have a chance to get a shot for the win. You know, not. I don't think it's a very good play if your goal is for Romeo to be running away from the ball, and then Al, you know, obviously just needs to understand that he can take a few dribbles there before he shoots it. I can, I can tell you exactly what they're going for. They were back screening for Romeo to get him a flare, sort of a flare towards the corner, so he would have a jump shot. It's hard on the side out of bounds. Side out of bounds are very difficult to run a great play out of because you don't know what the defense is going to throw at you. You don't know the angles for the pass, all that stuff. It's really difficult. So you have to create. Like, Except that in this case, you did know because. Because you tried to run the play once, and then you took a timeout, and they and lined they, up the exact same point. way, and then you ran the exact well, same Well, here's what happened. So... They, switched, they switched everything the first time, and then they ran it the second time, and they didn't switch everything. So there was a different look from it. I, um, I think 
I think the challenge was you've got, they, they put Reavers on the ball, which is smart. And you've got Finnessy, who's IU's shortest player trying to take it. So I see where maybe you can say you're going to try to flare him across the court, but there's no way in the world that you are going to be able to make that pass with that guy on him. Right. In and that now, scenario. I, I, and you knew that no matter what they switched or didn't switch, you weren't going to be able to get that because they weren't right. going to switch it. Now that, that part I agree with. And, and they did set that up, but I mean, all, all, honestly, Finnessy is the guy who's inbounding that there because you're not going to have Deron Davis inbounding it there. You're not, you know, maybe Juwan Morgan could do it, uh, but he's out. And yeah. Justin, well, I'm not saying there were a lot better options yeah, on the court. Yeah. Maybe, maybe but, Al but would be the guy that you think did, of, of, the, of who was on the floor. But right, no, and and what they did was they tried to get Al coming to the ball, uh, get him closer to the ball, and or get him closer to the three point line, and have maybe a dribble or two to drive, and then get into the lane with it. He flared instead of flaring towards the hoop. He flared out caught the ball far from the hoop and i think he was just frazzled at that point yeah. just, fired. just bad execution of, bottom in, line yeah instead of instead of cutting towards the hoop and catching it maybe having one or two dribbles and a pull-up which we've seen al hit this year he went backwards and had a standing three and you saw as he was coming off the floor archie miller said dude you have two seconds this wasn't a catch and shoot situation and information you know, that would have been useful i'm sure <laughs> he knew he just in his I mean, head. We always say, I'm yeah. sure they knew, but maybe they're just not told these things, you know, or they don't you know. listen. Either way, it's just, it's another example of, of course, you have a chance to win a game and you don't even give yourself a good shot to do no, it. You're that's, right. That's it the frustration. And you know what? I thought at the end of regulation, getting Finnessy a drive and, and pull up was fine. I thought that was fine. I thought that was run actually pretty well. And I was actually surprised yeah. the shot they got. I was expecting them to get something from 40 feet, you know, but I thought they actually got a pretty good shot, a pretty good look at least. Um, if it goes up two seconds more, Justin Smith has a tip in to win it. You know, I mean, it's, it, but yeah. you know, it, it, those situations are hard. I will say, I think that for the most part, Archie Miller's out of bounds plays when they're under the basket, when they are a little higher than that one was, I think they've been pretty good this oh, year. Don't do this to yourself. Don't do this to yourself. The shot clock running down. Let's lob it into Duran Davis. Okay. Keep in the basket. That's happened you know, multiple times. Yeah, you know that's Aren't not. Aren't you trying to take the shine off of this win? Andy's had some great up. interruptions this segment. This they, is, those yeah. were not where the ball was supposed to go either time. Uh, I think. Okay, but that. that's still on the coaches. You're right. So it is. I'm just it saying. To, we got to get better at that. And we were better at that early in the year. Anyway, I said this year, not this game. Okay, I thought I think they've been that's happened in other games, but I love Ryan's eye rolls when he gets interrupted. It's just so great. It's so great. You don't get to appreciate it. My own medicine and it is bitter (laughs) when I do it. I have really good points. When you guys do it, it's just rude. Mute him. Mute him. All right. Uh, coming up in our final segment, we hand out our game ball. The chemistry that the three of you have. Uh, we'll hit any other storylines that we haven't hit yet. And then in last call, we'll deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's win over Wisconsin. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show, finally breaking down another Indiana victory as your Indiana Hoosiers beat the Wisconsin Badgers 75 to 73 in double overtime at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up our breakdown of this game. And uh, this segment is going to pass 12 o'clock in the central time zone. Ryan, I don't think we'll quite make it to midnight on the Pacific uh, time zone. But who knows? 
out here. See, see, see how long this segment can go. I don't think Andy would uh, would be able to last that long. But uh, okay, this is the, the time in the show where we always hand out our game balls. Plenty of options to choose from here, Andy. Why don't you go first? This is yeah. I mean, there's there's two that stand out to me. Um, I, I'm going to go with Romeo. Hit the game winner. Played 45 minutes. Uh, you know, made made a lot of big plays. Scored the the bulk of the points in in the overtime periods, and uh, and as we said, hit the game winner. I, Race Thompson to me is the other guy who I would strongly consider just because I thought his play in the first half really gave IU a lift. And and if he's not able to play the way that he did for as long as he had to had to play with Justin and Juwan out, I, I you know the other options were not going to be able to to hang in there and 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 do what he was able to do. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say Romeo. Uh, it's a lot tougher than you would think to take the guy that scored 22 points over the guy that scored one. Uh, but I'll, uh, I'll go with him. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I mean, I think those are probably the two that are going to jump to people's minds, but I also I think, think Rob, I think I, you could give an audible mention to Rob Finsey. I don't think he's, he's in the mix sure. of those because his defense was so terrific. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the big did, shot that he had at the end of regulation and he played point guard for 43 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's a rough thing to do. And he's chasing those Wisconsin guards. So I think he deserves a hat tip. Deron Davis for coming in and playing 22 minutes after sure. puking before the game and sure, not think, looking good at all when he was in there early. He yeah. really rebounded throughout the game, especially to play the better. second half. Yeah, and I think you have to give Ray Thompson credit also for playing 21 minutes when he played 22 all year yeah. and most of that in the last two games. So and made a big free throw. I mean, his one point was important. That and his second free throw point. looked really good, actually. Like the form looked great. First free throw just looked like he hadn't taken a free throw all year, which yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going with Romeo though. By the way, yeah, I I am too. I think we're yeah. all in agreement. I, Romeo hit the big shot at the end of the game. He played great defense all night. He had a lapse or two offensively. You know, a, a segment of time where he maybe wasn't attacking the way he should have been. But you know, he's also I think there's the caveat that he's a freshman still. And and uh, I agree with it though because you know, 45 minutes, 22 points. He hit free throws. He hit five eight free throws. He missed a couple where you're just kind of like, oh God, Romeo, you make that the game's over. Um, but seven rebounds, he played hard, he crashed the boards, and then he made the big shot at the end. So uh, you got to go with Romeo, I think, in this one. Um, although certainly hat tip to Race Thompson, to Rob Finnessy, and of course to Deron Davis for gutting one out. Also, several people in the chat mob with honorable mention to Bruiser Flint for uh, for challenging that call. Yeah, nice job, so, Bruiser. Way yeah. to go, Bruiser. I would say Tim Garl might need to uh, to earn a game ball at some point. He's this got season. like the lifetime variety game ball. of <laughs> the variety of injuries and ailments that he's had to deal with. I'm not sure anybody's been more valuable this season than uh, than him, given that uh, virtually everyone has has been injured or ill at some point. It seems like I like that Brian Tui gave himself a game ball for taking a nap from six to seven before the game. That was smart. Smart. But the comment of the night in the chat mob. Now that this is the second straight game that an IU player has just mysteriously been throwing up right before a game, uh, and this is from Galen Clavio, of course, the host of Crimson Cast. Guys have to stop eating at Gresham for pregame. <laughs> that's that's that is just great Indiana University humor. It's great. There you go. Great late night post game show humor. Um. What else haven't we hit from this game? I mean, let's just maybe step back real quick and take a big picture look, Andy. As ridiculous as it is, you are now going to get questions. Oh, here we go. <laughs> just as just it address is every it. Every year, so it shall be. <laughs> we we finally won a game, Andy. Okay, now obviously this doesn't put us on the bubble. However, <laughs> if we're gonna dare to dream forward, just just humor the folks who want to dare to dream tonight. About the NIT or the NCAA tournament, wherever wherever you want to go with it. But just what does this do? 
big picture uh it helps um so not dead <laughs> so play that undertaker gift coming out and then uh we'll just move on from there i mean the reality is that that you're still only 500 at this point and i think i, I looked up at, at one point when IU was maybe two games over 500, there just haven't been teams that have, have made it with that record. Even the teams that have gotten in with 15 losses um, over, I think one each in the last couple of years have gotten closer to 20 wins. I, I feel like I have to look that up at, at some point when it's not 1am, but so you, you've got to get a few games clear of 500. This does give IU what I think would be a sixth quad one win. going into today, I believe, they had five quad one wins, yet no quad two wins, or like zero and five maybe against the in in quad two. Uh, so it, it it helps you. I mean, it gives you the hope to still believe in something. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, you know, just have to find ways to keep winning. It, the good, I don't, know, I don't know whether it's good or bad, but the bubble is is fairly shallow. Um, I'm not going to get into the the bubble is the worst we've ever seen because we can we'll just save that for next year when everybody's saying this is the worst bubble we've ever seen. But it is pretty shallow. There aren't a lot of other teams right now that we when I put together the projections that came out today that were really considered in, in the mix. And even some of those have since lost uh, and some other bubble teams have lost. So to think that there probably won't be some kind of opportunity where teams are going to play their way out is is naive. But you know, you've also got to try to to envision this team stringing together multiple wins, which feels a little bit more possible in the way that they've played over the last three games than than it did a few weeks ago. Uh, but it's it's certainly a quality win. The good thing about the Big Ten is there are almost no opportunities to take bad losses, which really is something that IU I don't think they've any of the losses have fallen outside of the you know the top two quadrants at this point, which is fine. Um, but the losses still matter at some point, and you haven't ever had anybody get in the tournament with more than 15 losses, and IU sitting on 14 right now. So you're uh, you're racing against history at some point to try to you know figure out a way to do it. But um, if I, ever I think, there were a team that could do it, that team would probably have a road win at Michigan State and a win over Marquette. So just it, if there's a team, I mean, if if something inexplicable is going to happen, then this team feels as yes. well qualified to do it as any. So th- in that regard, I think it seems fair. But well, I did read too early in my eyes to talk about that uh, at this point. But um, all hope is not completely dead at this point. I did read I'll somebody. I did read somebody say that Duke's losses without Zion Williamson won't hurt them when it comes time to consider him if he's healthy for the tournament. So can I, you just hit a reset button on the big 10 season for all the injuries they've had. I mean, uh, yes. In a since deleted tweet, uh, someone did say that the losses would not count were the exact words that were used. That tweet has since been rephrased after, uh, okay. said person got ratioed to high hell. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And I, I was part of that. As as was I. So anyway, so that's uh yeah, those do count. They are taken into consideration. Um, but I think the fact that Romeo and Juwan have not been the guys missing games, like to to really no matter how many injuries there have been, I I don't think that's something that I you can hang You don't think they're gonna take into account we've been missing Jerome Hunter all season. You don't think that they're gonna they're gonna give us a greatest on a curve that way? Yep, uh, zero and zero so far for IU. So <laughs> nice. none of nothing to worry about, everybody. Yeah. So we'll see, but I mean, it's, it, it's, it's certainly a good thing. They've still got two or three games at home. Um, I think if you get to a point where you win the next two, where if you can beat Michigan state to get a sweep of them somehow, and uh, although that game won't count either, cause they don't have Nick Ward and Josh. Lambert. Right. Of course. Ah, um, damn. 
so close. And then, and then if you find a way to get a road win, that's the other thing that I use really missing right now. They've got two road wins on the season and none or well, the, you know, the Michigan state one is a big one. Um, but you know, they're two and nine, I want to say on the road or something like that, two and a, a lot. Um, so to be able to find a way to win at Illinois would be big. So I think we're probably having a different conversation if they're able to string together these next two wins and we'll take them one at a time and see from there. But, uh, they're still alive, so I guess that's more than maybe people thought we could have said uh, a while ago. But we won a game <laughs> at fourteen and fourteen. There's work to be done. There's work to be done. Indiana well, now we're gonna win top this weekend. It, we're, we're in we're in town. We're in so town. We're, we know we're going to win. Although that didn't work out so well last year, but yeah, overtime and a garbage three pointer to win it. Man. Yeah, I know. Indiana now a top twenty five defense according to Ken Palm. So the defense keeps improving. Free throw percentage defensively. Still number one in the country by a full 0.5%. So that continues to be the one thing that has bounced in IU's favor, um, which is uh, nice to see. Anything else that we need to cover, fellas, before we... My bed with my body? Don't... Jeez. <laughs> oh, it's not what anybody wanted to think about after a... What? I'm going to be clothed. Wonderful... It's also it's also 10 o'clock there. Nobody yeah, I'm is... I'm tired. Yeah. I'm an old man, Andy. <laughs> All right, well, coming up uh, here on Thursday, we'll have a new edition of Assembly Call Radio for you. And then, of course, Saturday, the IU-Michigan postgame show. We won't be on that show, but Will DeWitt is coming back to host the show. Uh, Chat Mob Chad Schwartzkopf will be there. Josh Wilson from the Inside Out Pod, who has also done some of our game previews uh, on Banner Monday. Those guys are going to take you through that game. And I think we will probably try and pop on via our phones on Zoom and give some some live reaction on our way to to the Crazy Horse. So if you're going to be in Bloomington, we'll be at the Crazy Horse from 3 to 6, and we would love to see you guys there because uh, that's why we love coming up and doing these trips, and hopefully it's after another uh, victorious Indiana performance. All right, guys, let's go to last call, uh, and uh, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Andy, you're first. Since time zone advantage to you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. I, I wouldn't think of getting off, though, without hearing what Ryan has to say, so it's, it doesn't matter. You can go in whatever order you want. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like I said, it, it, it just it's hard not to be happy for these guys um, with the way they've bounced back. I know it's been a pretty, a pretty terrible stretch of play. It's been, uh, it's been frustrating at times to, to watch these guys, but for whatever reason, for all, for as long as it took to kind of turn that corner after that Minnesota game, I don't think anyone would argue that, that you haven't seen a different attitude, a different effort from these guys. And, and for them to come through with it three games in a row, or for a third straight game after not being rewarded with a victory in the other two, uh, I, I think says a lot about the program uh, going forward. And, and hopefully for some has calmed some of those fears. Yeah, there's X's and O's stuff and lineups to to argue. But I think to be able to to pull the team from an attitude perspective, I do give the staff credit. And I give uh, the seniors in, in Juwan and Zach McRoberts a lot of credit as well. They, uh, I, I forget whether it was Rob or Romeo who mentioned it after the game that those guys had done a really good job of of keeping everybody together and and a win like this, I think is a testament to what those guys had. So for as much as we all lamented um, the lack of leadership that seemed to be shown both from the coaches and from the players during that stretch, I think the last three games, it's not a one game blip like the Michigan state game felt like this has been pretty sustained effort defensively. Um, The offense has still been ugly, uh, but, but the effort defensively has really come back and, and it was just great to see them rewarded. So, uh, a, a, not a super quick turnaround, but also a game that you've got to 
uh, really get up for Michigan State. They played so well uh, at Michigan, and they've got nearly a week to, to get ready to play IU in a game that's going to mean a lot to them after IU came onto their home floor and won. Uh, but this team needs some rest after these uh, these overtime affairs, so hopefully they can get that uh, and that no one is uh, no one's thrown up before, during, uh, or, or even after the game against Michigan State. But, uh, but kudos to these guys to, to be able to find a way to win a game that was a, a tough win against a team that IU has had such a tough time getting over the hump against in these uh, in these last few years. Ryan, your final thoughts before you go eat ice cream fully clothed on a bed. Yep. Uh, I I just I'm excited for this team to beat Wisconsin. Uh, this program has had such a tough time beating Wisconsin. I'm so glad we never have to watch IU play Ethan Happ again, knock on wood. Uh, but no, I think I, I just think it's great for this team, <laughs> as we said to start the. And we were talking before we went on the air how this is just bizarre a world that Indiana somehow went to the Breslin Center and won, and then somehow beat Wisconsin this year, but can't win other games. And it's just insane uh, that that those are like the two things you can almost always count on as losses for this program. And somehow this team that has struggled doing everything else won those games. Um, obviously, the NCAA tournament is a pipe dream at this point, but this team needs to focus game to game. And not start thinking about that. You beat Michigan State on Saturday uh, after what they did to Michigan. And by the way, a Michigan State team that doesn't have two of their best players. Uh, that's a beatable team. Indiana beat that team on its home floor with with Nick Ward. And Nick Ward is no longer there. Indiana plays smart, plays the way it's supposed to, and gets a good boost from the home crowd. You, then you start talking about, okay, now let's go to Illinois, a team that's very beatable, and let's go beat them. You do that, then you get Rutgers at home. That's a team you can beat. Now let's go to the Big Ten tournament and Whoa, make some noise. Stop right there. I'm just it's saying a, make noise. I'm not saying win. <laughs> I'm not saying win the dang thing. Um, but I, I just think that this team needs to build on this, and it needs to build on the last couple of performances. Didn't beat Purdue. Didn't beat Iowa. Easily could have won both those games. And it needs to understand that the reasons why it lost those games and also the reasons why they almost won those games. And focus on those. The offense looked much better tonight. That has been a huge issue. The offense looked much better, much smoother. Guys were in the right spot. Guys were getting open shots. Guys were getting good looks at the hoop. And then you look at that defense, and it just keeps building on itself and building on itself and building it on itself. This team is going to be a defensive monster for the rest of the year if they play this way. Can't make it easy on anyone. And Ever since that Minnesota game where Archie Miller said we'd see drastic changes, we've seen a different team, and they have played very well. It almost makes you wish earlier in the season something had happened to spark that. But you know what? I'm glad it's here now because we're seeing this team start to build something. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm just so proud of this team tonight. I mean, they, as we said, you know, they, they've played so well since, so hard since the Minnesota game. Not always well, but so hard since the Minnesota game. And I'm so glad they got rewarded. And just, you know, another tip of the cap to Romeo Langford, who – you know, there, there have been so many just ridiculous, ridiculous narratives out there about him. But for a guy who we know where he's going to be next year, we know what is in front of him for his basketball career. And we've seen a lot of one and done players who have come in and the seasons haven't gone well, you know, and those guys sometimes check out and aren't fully invested. And there is no way anybody can say Romeo is anything other than fully invested in this team's success with how hard he has played. You know, just how much of a team player he has been, uh, and, you know, and just to see, you know, the smile on his face at the end of the game and for him to, you know, learn from his last two experiences and to, you know, to take it all the way to the hole and make that shot. 
obviously we'd all love to be able to watch him grow, you know, for four years and just see what kind of an amazing college basketball player he could become. But just to watch his growth from the beginning of the season to now, you know, it hasn't come easy. It's been hard. The offense is a slog sometimes. And we've talked about on this show how sometimes he seems lost in it, whether it's, you know, his fault or the coach's fault, whoever's it, you know, whoever it is. You know, to see him come and make that final shot and stick with it and stick with this team and be such an important part of why they have turned this thing around since Minnesota and hopefully can do something down the stretch. You know, I know that chances are his legacy at Indiana isn't going to be hanging a banner and making a deep tournament run or winning a Big Ten title and all of this stuff. But I think when we look back on it, we're going to see a guy who just continued to play hard, continued to improve. And, you know, even though, you know, we know where he's going to be next year, you know, he doesn't seem to be thinking about that right now. He really seems to be fully invested in what this team has going on. And that that's what makes it so much fun to watch him play right now. All righty. That's going to do it for us on this edition of the assembly call. IU post game show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. You can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for assembly call, wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter, which I'm going to go get ready to go right now, even though it's late, because that's what we do. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and cut. This tweet just came out. There are now 13 teams with at least six Quadrant 1 wins and no Quadrant 3 or 4 losses. 12 of them, Virginia, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State, UNC, Michigan, Wisconsin, Marquette, Maryland, Mississippi State, and Kansas State are very comfortably in the field, and the other one is Indiana. (laughs) Season's so weird. There's nothing... They're like this the best just, bad. It's the best bad yeah. team. But that's also why if we just scrape out some wins down the stretch, I mean, well, somebody was saying that like literally, quite, somebody was saying that quite frankly, if Indiana wins, like let's say they beat Michigan State, this guy was saying that if they finish over five hundred, they're a better team than Clemson or Butler. Like they're, they're like they just have Butler, earned it. Clearly, yeah, well, I think but, that's true. I just don't know that that's enough of course because it looks bad. In, but yeah, but yeah, we'll see. Pretty yeah, pretty pretty crazy it's just funny to look at their profile even no bad losses like in addition to the wins like but then you go and like you haven't beaten any of like the kind of middle of the road like maybe kind of good like quad two like zero wins in that that's crazy now if they're able to win at illinois that one would i think fall i think would fall it's almost it's almost like we'd have a better chance of making noise in the ncaa tournament than the nit (laughs) you know (laughs) because those are the kinds of teams that we beat apparently
Yeah. Uh, what a weird, wacky, wild season. I saw someone, it might have been the Hoosier Hysterics guys, tweeted, this is the first time that we've won at Michigan State and beaten Wisconsin since like 1987 or something. <laughs> like something, I don't, don't, you know, don't take that to the bank. I haven't fact-checked that, but I would not be surprised. That's, yeah. that's, that anyway. seems about right. That uh, seems. All right, man. Well, by the way, Thursday, I won't be on because I'm flying. Coach uh, is going to be on. By the way, we got bad news. Coach's team, they lost in the sectional. So that's the bad news. On the bright side, we will get to see Coach this weekend. Yep. Would have rather him um, be playing, but we're going to get to see him this weekend, so that's nice. And he's going to be on the show Thursday night. And then you, you said Kent's going to come down, too? Yeah, I think Kent's going to come down. I, yeah, I texted him. Like, yeah, he said he hasn't been at the Crazy Horse since it was, since it was like a buck fifty for something or other. I'm like, damn, that is Bring it on. <laughs> I haven't been in a long time either. I don't. I wasn't particularly fond of the Crazy Horse, but I'm good now. I mean, that was. And by the way, we should just say we were all we were disappointed to hear about that Kent show got canceled yes. on. They, well, I didn't know you're still on. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're still on. Yeah, we're still on YouTube. On That's, YouTube. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. We didn't say anything bad. Um, no, 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 Andy's scoffing at how you still don't understand how the shit works. It's been no, like two I thought weeks we were. Ago, all, we had this I exact thought, conversation. I thought we were off, and it was just three of us talking. No, this is still on YouTube. Oh. Hi, guys. Jared, Jared, can you? Why don't you pull up the sound drop from not very long ago when when we made this same revelation? Oh, like I pay attention. When this show's over, I'm like a, I'm like a goldfish. I'm done. Oh, the podcast is off. Yeah, the podcast is off. We ended the podcast a long time ago. So this we're just is a, you, this Brian, is AC do you after even dark. understand how this works? No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd say. I, I, thought, thought, this, I thought this was recorded uh, on the podcast. It, I thought we no, were no, no, we don't. Once the, once the music is over, we stop. <laughs> <laughs> that that was from weeks ago, exact, by the way. That was not happening right now. And he's literally no. saying the exact same thing right now, though, as you did the other one. <sighs> I almost knocked my computer desk over there. <laughs> this weekend's going to be fun. We can do all this stuff in person this weekend. Oh, yeah, goodness. it's gonna be so great. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited. Uh, but yeah, no. So yeah, Kent called me this morning and, and gave me the bad news. I know. He texted me this morning, gave me the bad news because I was supposed to be on his show at four Eastern. Yeah. Uh, and he said, "Yeah, you're free on four Eastern now." And I was like, "Oh man." He's yeah. been such a huge supporter Thanks. of ours, man. I mean, he has believed in us, given us opportunities. So. I hate to hear that, but as I told him, this just hastens the uh, beginning of the successful Kent Sterling podcast. Well, somebody smart's going to pick him up, though. He's a great yeah. radio guy, and he's done a lot of great work. And uh, that is that station's uh, loss. So it is. Patrick in the chat said, in his defense, it is ten o'clock there. Yeah, it's super late. I'm just yeah. exhausted. Super late. <laughs> super late. Uh, all right. Well, it's time to go. Let me go get this thing posted and get the email up and try to be functional tomorrow. But who cares? I'm on the high of a of a victory. So, good luck. Kudos to Ken Bikoff, who already has the. I mean, he doesn't. There's usually isn't as long, but I just saw something on Twitter that he had already posted there, like morning after uh, podcast. Yeah, the Indy, the Indy so. Star will have no. What is your show off? If you're looking for an Indy Star, uh, for it in the Indy Star tomorrow, there will be no Indiana uh, news in the Indy Star tomorrow because it was too late. Indiana finally wins, and it doesn't even get coverage in the Indianapolis paper. Coverage in the- yeah. All right, guys. All right, fellas. See, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. This was one of our best live turnouts. Someone was asking, like, do you think there even be anybody there? One of our best live turnouts. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. If this season has taught us anything, it's that you never know when the next win is going to come, so you damn sure better bask in the glory of one win. Celebrate it. I appreciate all of you being here with us to do that. Yes, absolutely. All right, everybody. See you on Thursday night. Later, guys. All right. See you. Warning. 
This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Views also. America's favorite vape. Get convenient four-pod packs so you can stay in the moment more and run out for refills less. Views also. Available in one, two, or four-pod packs. Get yours in store today. Views. Charge beyond. Vapor products. Underage sale prohibited. Based on 2020 retail scan data of reported total Views Auto sales volumes. From the company that brought you Rocket Mortgage comes Rocket Pro Insight, the innovative product designed to give real estate agents control like never before. Rocket Pro Insight allows agents to send files on their clients' behalf and get to closing faster. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate and get the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time. Call for cost, information, and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. MLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030.